Support for Tested comes from Duke Health, reminding listeners that COVID-19 vaccines are safe, effective, and can protect individuals and others from the virus. Together, communities can end this pandemic. Find sites for a free vaccine at dukehealth.org. This is Tested from WUNC, a look at how we're responding to challenges in North Carolina and across the South. I'm Celeste Gracia. Electric vehicles are a hot topic right now. Did you know that Norway sells way more electric cars per capita than the U.S.? It's a driving experience that's pure, unfiltered exhilaration from the moment you hit the accelerator. What if everything ran on gas? Then again, what if everything didn't? Electric vehicles, also called EVs, emit fewer greenhouse gases than diesel cars and help improve air pollution. EVs will play and are playing a significant role in reaching carbon neutral goals. Simply put, we must plan now for a clean transportation future. We know the future of transportation includes autonomous vehicles, connected vehicles, electric vehicles, all of that technology. We've got to make sure we're more equitable to make sure the access to providing that variety of clean mobility options, all of that is there. The cleaner fuels, much, much more to come. That's State Transportation Secretary Eric Boyette speaking at a recent press conference in Greensboro. At the event, Governor Roy Cooper announced a new executive order that expands the target for EVs in North Carolina. We're going to increase uh, the goal of having 1.25 million zero emission vehicles on North Carolina roads by 2030. But as of last month, there's only about 30,000 zero emission vehicles registered in the state. So if EVs are so important, then why aren't there more? Well, there's at least three main reasons, a lack of availability, education, and infrastructure. To learn more, I talked to Rick Sapienza, the director of the Clean Transportation Program at the North Carolina Clean Energy Technology Center. We spoke outside a quiet shopping plaza in Cary. He points out that people need different kinds of cars and the variety of EVs is still growing. Things are changing, so we get more vehicle types, different varieties, you know, minivans, SUVs, pickup trucks, sedans, everything across the board, and even medium and heavy duty options. They're coming. There's more and more each year. So then let's say you do find a car that meets your needs. Chances are you still might not be able to get one right now because of ongoing supply chain issues caused by the pandemic. You're waiting months and months for an electric vehicle. There's none on the um, lots, and if there's one on the lot, it's already sold. There is pent-up demand. I think if, if we had more electric vehicles in a lot, in fact, right, I was looking the last month or so, really the last year or so, to get an electric vehicle. And I just, I can't get one, and I can't get one that, let's say, affordably. I mean, you're not, getting yeah. a de- you're not getting a great deal on them. There are some, some incentives, but not tremendous incentives. 
North Carolina does not have a state tax credit for EVs. There is a federal tax credit of up to $7,500, but it only applies to specific vehicles. Sapienza argues that while it may cost more up front for an EV, it's worth it in the long run because EVs cost less than diesel cars when it comes to maintenance. Plus, he says the total cost of EVs should be going down soon. The prediction is within five years, we will be at price parity meaning it will cost the same to buy an electric SUV or gasoline SUV or diesel SUV. There's a few things going on. So it's economies of scale will help drive the price down, the component price will come down. The technology battery prices have come down significantly and they still need to come down more, but they're, they're figuring out the, the, the trajectory of technology. The price is gonna come down, to be price parity. Now, when you get to price parity, that, that economic excuse, we'll say, goes away. Going going back to another, I think you said another issue is uh, just educating people. Yes. Um, can you talk about that? What kind of education needs to be done and how do we do it? Well, it, it's, it's, how do you do it? <laughs> you do it all the time. It's a full-time job. Um, it's amazing the myths or the, the misunderstanding that folks have out there. And it's it's on multi-levels. I, I deal with a lot of fleets and, you know, call it corporate be it government or, you know, private fleets, and then there's the consumer. And, you know, with anybody, what, how do you get people comfortable making a decision or to do something? It's, people have fear of the unknown. They, they, if they don't understand it, my job is to provide people the information to make an informed decision. And just generating the awareness. I, when I talk to the general public, I get pushback tremendously. We have fleet managers, they're, they're technicians. Oh, electric vehicles, electric vehicles. They throw them the keys to it, let them go drive one. The guys come back with a smile on their faces. Hey, these are pretty cool. <laughs> and that's, I encourage people, I, I can't force you to buy an electric vehicle. But I say, hey, do yourself a favor, go test drive one. And I talk about, we do these public facing events. And over the years, I have people come back and they say, hey, you know, I was at your event last year. I went out and I bought an electric vehicle. A lady, she came to, uh, we do a electric vehicle show and then a ride and drive tied to a, a major football game. A lot of folks, good exposure. We do one at Winston-Salem at Wake Forest University. and We've done one at um, NC State University for about five years now. Had a lady come with a friend of hers to the ride and drive. She drove a Chevy Bolt. The next year she came back with her own Chevy Bolt. So it's, it's understanding, familiarity. I tell folks, I'd like to see, at least be on your consideration set when you go to buy your next vehicle. And that's why I tell them, go test drive one. Whether you're gonna buy one or not, go test drive one, have fun. And we try and do these ride and rides to get people to have experience with them. And people get excited, and like I said, they come back and you know, I see them a year later, and they have one. Now, I didn't sell a thousand vehicles at my ride and drive event, but take that win, you're moving the ball forward. And to keep the ball moving, state agencies are working to build the infrastructure needed to charge EVs. As far as funding, some of the money North Carolina is receiving from the recently passed federal infrastructure law will focus on increasing the number of charging stations. And the state has set aside a million dollars from the 2016 Volkswagen settlement to apply for grants to install even more infrastructure. 
Haley Pfeiffer Haynes is the Deputy Secretary of Service Operations at the State Department of Administration. She says her agency will apply for funding to put more charging stations in downtown Raleigh to potentially charge more state-owned EVs. She explained to me over Zoom that a recent state report identified areas where charging infrastructure would be most efficient. So at this point, we're taking that data and we're looking at state property where we can start putting those ch that charging infrastructure in and use this federal money for that. Um, so it, there's a lot of moving pieces to that. We've got to look at electric infrastructure. Um, a lot of these, um, you know, when these places were outfitted and the infrastructure was put in, it was never imagined that we would be powering, you know, numbers of vehicles off of that. And so there might have to be some infrastructure upgrades. That same report also identified about 3,000 state-owned cars that can be switched to EVs over the next few years. Pfeiffer Haynes says that as state vehicles are due to be replaced, she'll tell agencies which ones can be replaced with EVs. Last year, it was 141 cars. You mentioned earlier that um, once that there are still some cars that have life, that have longevity. So once those cars quote unquote expire, let's just say, um, then you will let them let those agencies agencies know. So you said last year there were 141 cars that were eligible to be upgraded to electric vehicles. Um, but that's 141 out of uh, 3000 that's being proposed. So how long just with that process, how long do you think that will take? Um, like, do you think that rate will increase over the coming years as these cars get older? I think so. Um, I, generally, the useful life of a car that we buy is eight years. And so generally, you're supposed to see about um, an eighth of the fleet each year. But there are some years which are have a, a slightly lower amount. And agencies that they might identify cars that we haven't identified through our data um, to say, you know what, we're, we're gonna go ahead and change this one over to EVs. And we've had some state agencies um, reach out to us and say, you know what, we want a couple of EVs and they weren't ones that were on our replacement list. Um, and so there's an ability to do more of that. The issue that we are having is the same issue that everyone is having around vehicles. And that is, the supply chain problems are causing a real problem. We are going about doing things to improve gas mileage and improve the greenhouse gas footprint for our, our fleet, even when we can't replace something with an EV. And to that point, 70% of the cars that we ordered this past year are hybrids. And sorry, just to interrupt quickly, it, it also sounds like part of this process just kind of depends on what manufacturers are producing because we and you like don't have jurisdiction over uh, what kind of car you can or cannot buy. Correct. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, there's going to be more and more electric vehicles coming on the market and we're really, you know, Electric vehicles do have a bit more, a bit higher upfront cost right now. We're hoping that that dissipates over time as the production ramps up. I, I think that the manufacturers are going to come along. One of the things, just to piggyback on that, is we used to, so purchasing and contracting is under me as well. 
And the way that the state used to do it is we would put out the vehicle contract and award it to one dealership that represents one automaker. So we would just be buying Fords that year, or we'd just be buying GMs that year, what, you know, whoever won that contract. We changed that. And we have a multiple dealer make model. Um, so you're contracting with multiple car manufacturers at the same time? Yes. So that way we can get the Toyota Camry hybrid, but for trucks, we can get a Ford F-150 or a, a Lightning, um, or we can get a minivan from Chevy. So the, the options are much greater and it drove the cost down because they were really competing against each other. And we really made some gains as those manufacturers, those dealers, um, start carrying new models of EVs, those are going to be added to the state contract. And there'll be more and more um, opportunities to replace vehicles with hybrids, um, but even more importantly, with EVs. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Tested Podcast. I'm Celeste Gracia.